1: Sail on, silver girl. Sail on by. Your time has come to shine. All your dreams are.
2: reading this morning is from Matthew 8 verses 18 to 27. It's on page 8 of your pew Bible. Now when Jesus saw great crowds around him, he gave orders to go over to the other side. And a scribe came up to him and said to him, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Another of the disciples said to him, Lord, let me first go and bury my father but jesus said to him follow me and leave the dead to bury their own dead and when he got into the boat his disciples followed him and behold there arose a great storm on the sea so that the boat was being swamped by the waves but he was asleep and they went and woke him saying save us Lord we are perishing and he said to them why are you afraid O men of little faith then he rose and rebuked the winds and the sea and there was a great calm and the men marveled saying what sort of man is this? that even winds and sea obey Him.
0: Amen. Thank you, choir. Will you pray with me, please, the words of preparation, which are printed in your bulletin or on your, in your online bulletin. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O God, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Well, I have to tell you, I have always envied those people who can get by on very little sleep. Four hours a night, they say, or five hours. That's all I need. And I'm good to go. Well, that is not me. It's never been me. And my, my mom tells stories of me when I was a child, when my family would realize in the evening that they hadn't seen me for a while. And they'd they'd call out, they'd start to look for me, and then they'd they'd find that I'd changed into my pajamas and put myself to bed. I did not get kids like that. (laughs) But um, it never made sense to me when I was a kid that other kids would delay going to sleep. My cozy bed, sometimes with a book for a few minutes, was right where I wanted to be. And I know I was blessed beyond measure to have had that sense of security. And I pray this for all children. And the truth is, for all of us, sleep is good medicine. The more recent uh, um, advent of sleep science now tells us that sleep... Whether we feel we can get by with, without it or not is essential to our well-being. So maybe it's not surprising then on this day when we've just lost an hour of sleep that I chose a scripture about sleep. And <laughs> the scripture that Alice read for this morning, Jesus has gone onto the lake in a boat with the disciples. And the scripture tells us that suddenly a terrible storm comes up. Waves are crashing, the boat is rocking dangerously, and the disciples are afraid they will perish. And Jesus is asleep. Now, interestingly, there is only one story in all of the Gospels in which Jesus is asleep. And it's this one. There are stories that tell us that he rested, several stories about that, but it's only this story which appears in the Gospels of Luke and Mark and Matthew, which is the one we heard for today, where Jesus is actually sleeping, described as asleep. When a singular action of Jesus shows up only once in the recorded history of his life and ministry It's important for us to pay attention. And in this story, the description of Jesus as asleep is significant, both as part of the narrative of one of his responses to his interactions with his disciples and the crowds, and as metaphor for the meaning of his mediating presence with us as fully human and fully God. As part of the narrative of his ministry, it makes perfect sense that Jesus would be shown asleep. The scriptures that precede and surround this one talk about the ways in which the crowds press on him, asking for teaching trying to trick him sometimes into, into saying what they want him to say, asking for healing, and, and even following him into secluded places where he goes to try to retreat and get some rest for himself. He's exhausted. And as fully human, he needs sleep, just like we all do. And as I mentioned, the, the new sleep science is now telling us That regular, high-quality sleep of seven to nine hours a night is is just as important to our health as uh, exercise and a good diet. So there's a practical dimension to this story. But we move into metaphor and meaning when we notice that in spite of what is described as a violent storm, Jesus continues to sleep. Is it really possible that he was just so tired that being thrown about in a small boat, pelted by rain, water drenching him, wind swirling around him, the disciples shouting at him in fear that he wouldn't awaken? Unlikely. The scene, remember, is narrated from a human perspective, a human writer. Now, that's not to say that these words aren't inspired. They are, and in their ability to cause encounter between us and God, we grow and learn and can always find something fresh and new in the word. But from the human perspective of Matthew and Mark and Luke, for that matter, In the violence they are experiencing, they are gripped with fear. As humans, their experience of God and Jesus, as reported here, is one of inaccessibility. In their need, they feel that Jesus just isn't available or even on duty. Have you ever felt God's inaccessibility? or God's absence. Of course, God is always inaccessible to us uh, in in one sense, in, in the sense of God's holy mystery. We can't fully understand who God is, because we are not God. But I don't mean that kind of inaccessibility. I mean the loneliness and abandonment and fear we experience when it feels like God is silent not there, asleep. I think we've all felt that at one time or another. Hopefully these feelings are brief. Sometimes they linger. Sometimes they way overstay any kind of welcome and lead to a kind of separated suffering that St. John of the Cross and later United Methodist theologian Georgia Harkness called the dark night of the soul. In one of his poems, Rainier Maria Rilke wrote, oh, in childhood, God, how easy you were, you whom I cannot take hold of now anywhere. In the companion book for our Lenten series, The Unmoored God, Jesuit theologian Paul Crowley suggests that in our postmodern world, the fundamental underlying cause of the loss of belief in God is that God has become dislocated and is no longer part of the world picture for many former or would-be believers, and thus We cannot imagine how the Christian story works. In other words, if one finds God inaccessible or absent or just not, it then is very hard to imagine that in Jesus, God meets us in our ontological and existential, meaning our our sense of beingness, dislocations and thereby gives us a sense of place in God. In the dislocations that have come in the last two years of pandemic, I know that this sense of being adrift, unmoored, and often unable to reach or connect to God have become, in many cases, more acute. And yet Crowley then goes on to suggest in the unmoored God that it is possible that this dislocation belongs to the very nature of the God who is revealed in the history of Israel and in the Incarnation. And as we come to terms with our own radical dislocation, this belief illuminates a sense of state, a sense of beingness with God, not a fixed point, but a spiritual location in relation to God's providential grace. And this state of being in relation to God's providence gives us the wherewithal, the stance from whence to enter into solidarity with others who find themselves in various states of dislocation. Human beings suffering and dying, yet grasping for hope. In other words, if dislocation is a state of suffering, then God will always be dislocated because God is always with those who suffer. And so let us now return to Jesus in the boat and question and the question of why the storm did not wake up Jesus. Given this new understanding of God as fundamentally dislocated, it makes more sense then why Jesus wasn't awakened. This state of being tossed around, drenched, pelted, is just part of what a dislocated God would would not consider to be abnormal in the experience of being human and being with humans as God. Jesus is so fully at home in the dislocation that he can sleep right through it. But we need not to mistake the sleeping Jesus for lack of presence. Jesus is in the boat, right there, present. One of the most devastating and challenging human experiences is to have dementia. I have shared with you that we are walking this progressive path with my mom. This is not a secret and she's okay with me sharing this. And at this point she sometimes temporarily forgets the names of her grandkids. Sometimes she calls me her mom instead of her daughter. I spend a week with her at the beginning of February but she can't remember that I was there. I was talking with her while I was in process with this sermon, and the question about, and, and these questions about what causes us to become disconnected from God and experience God as asleep were on my mind. And so I asked my mom if she ever forgets about God or forgets God's name. But she said, no, she never does. She said she knows God is with her. It isn't isn't something that she's trying to find. Though she has a failing memory, she was able to express a sense of awareness at God's fundamental beingness, or as Crowley would put it, a spiritual location in relation to God's providential grace. And then she said something else very important. She said she knows God isn't going to fix things for us. But God has given us what we need to, as she put it, make a good earth and be part of the solution. What is remarkable, more remarkable about this is that she believes, and I do too, that even with dementia, God has given her and us what we need to be part of the solution. Now that's not to say we don't grieve that she's losing capacities she formerly had. Of course we do. But the God she has known and doesn't forget is a moving, co-creating, collaborating, and even dislocated God. And it is this God who says, to the disciples who cry out, save us. This God who responds, oh, oh, you of little faith, why are you afraid? I am here. God has given us what we need to be at home in the dislocation. In an understanding of a God as anchored and static and controlling, That makes no sense. How could someone whose brilliant mind is slipping be a part of the solution, part of our salvation? And yet, in an understanding of God as dislocated, God who moves us into places of solidarity with those who suffer, it makes perfect sense. God is. And in the boat... Even asleep, Jesus is. May we, in these times of dislocation, also experience that spiritual location in relation to God's providential grace and know ourselves at home in God and with all who are dislocated. Have a great week. Let's write a story all the time away. We run out of luck. We run out of days.
3: We run out of gas. A hundred miles away from the station. There's a war and a plague, smoke and disaster time